Hello, thanks so much for joining me today as we wrap up CREDC's Grow Clark County Podcast Edition. I'm Marnie Farnes, the Relationships and Strategy Manager with CREDC, and my focus for this conversation is centered around perspectives that innovate for startups and entrepreneurs, with special guests Paige Hendricks Buckner and Kara Snow. Paige is the startup founder and mentor of Founder Gym, and Kara is the Chief Community Engagement Officer with Technology Association of Oregon. Both Paige and Kara have years of experience working with startups and entrepreneurs, which I know you will find especially relevant. Also, I wanna give my last but not least shout out of appreciation to our sponsors, IQ Credit Union, Ryanette, and Almade Apparel. Their support of this podcast series is the reason why you're able to listen. So a big thank you. Okay, time to grab a cup of coffee or iced tea and enjoy the information you're about to receive. Hi, Kara. Hi, Paige. I've been really looking forward to talking with you. So as we jump in here, I'd like to hear from both of you a little bit about you and what you do. And so Paige, how about if we start with you? Hello, Marnie, and hi, Kara. I'm so excited to be here with both of you. This is a a really thrilling opportunity to talk more about this topic and then also just to have a a conversation with with you two. So um, my name is Paige Hendricks Buckner. I'm the program director at a company called Founder Gym. So we're the leading online training center for founders who want to raise capital for their tech companies. Um, And we've worked with founders all over the world. So at this point, we've trained uh, over 500 founders in 23 countries on six continents, which is really fun. Um, my background's actually in education and public policy and entrepreneurship. So it's this kind of intersection of all three of those things that I that allow me to do my dream job today. And originally from Missouri, I, I moved to Las Vegas, Nevada to be a teacher with Teach for America in 2008 at this point, which I can't believe at this point. <laughs> I can't believe it's now 2020. Um, yeah, and there's some similarities. Oh, so yes. <laughs> Unfortunate similarities between yeah. 2020 and 2008. Yeah. yeah um, sure. So yes, absolutely. I, I was a teacher there. I moved to Portland, Oregon in 2011 to be closer to my husband. And I got into public policy here. That was my, my um, academic focus was more public policy and worked at Multnomah County. And then I became an entrepreneur and started a business. And, uh, and then I taught part-time as well. So I had the privilege of teaching entrepreneurship to high school students and then to adults through the uh, Thai Oregon Young Entrepreneurs Program and then also through their adult program. So I feel like I've been through every educational program in the Portland (laughs) metro area. I've helped start an organization with the Accelerate Fund to help women get access to capital. I have uh, taught in a bunch of classes all over town. I served on the Oregon Entrepreneurs Network Board. So I've been like this nerd about town about (laughs) entrepreneurship. And now I get to do it full time with Foundergen, both teach and and help steward um, underrepresented entrepreneurs. So it's like the best job on the planet. I love it. Yeah. That's my two cents, Marnie. (laughs) Kara, how about you? Well, hey, good morning, Marnie and Paige. I'm excited to be here with both of y'all. This is really fun. And I love the energy and enthusiasm. So I'm the Chief Community Engagement Officer for the Technology Association of Oregon. I also serve as the Chief of Staff. And so in my role, I manage our internal um, operations, program delivery, membership, um, marketing, like you name it, my hats are varied and colorful. And then externally, 
it um, looks like advocacy. Um, again, like how do we serve members, DEI, executive engagement, and that's all at a statewide plus Southwest Washington level. Mm -hmm. I'm actually newer to the Portland metro area, which sometimes I forget because COVID time has just meant that it's like years longer. But right. I um, grew up in Atlanta, Georgia and um, worked in tech startups for my career. So I actually spent 10 years at a tech startup where I was brought in the way most a lot of women wind up in tech as an HR person and then finished my career there as a managing director overseeing um, all dev and engineering for a regional team delivering solutions to Fortune 500 companies. So I've worked in the tech space, um, helped diversify that organization's portfolio in such a way that it could be acquired. So had the opportunity to sit on the side of the table where um, people were offering investment and purchase opportunities. Um, and then have uh, worked for one of the largest women-owned tech companies in the country, which is kind of a, a hidden secret because it's privately held. And then another few startups before um, I realized that my passion really lie in how do we get more women in tech? And then beyond that, how do we get more diversity in tech period? And so was challenged to do something where there could be systemic change. And that's how I wound up in the association world. And so I worked for the tech association in Georgia and then was recruited um, out here by the CEO and president of TAO, Skip Newberry, um, 18 months ago. And I get to do my work in a very different way. And it's fun because I had that tech experience and uh -huh. now I get to still like engage with tech and completely differently. And I'm going to give Paige a shout out. If you don't follow Founders Gym on Instagram, you should because it's pretty legit content. Okay. Well, <laughs> I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm on it. So <laughs> I love it. Good. Thank you, Kara. But let's just roll up our sleeves and get right into it. Um, so kind of the first thing on my mind is, you know, we've heard so much about the struggles that businesses are facing right now, but just curious from your perspectives, um, what silver lining exists, um, just through all of this. And as a result, maybe some opportunities. Yeah. So I'm really excited to talk about this topic and I, I also want to set the stage. So today is Juneteenth, which I'm really excited about, um, that there's so much visibility around this wonderful holiday and the celebration of the beginning of the work that needs to be done to make sure that black Americans really feel like their lives and, and um, their contributions are truly valued. So I'm really excited about that today. And I'm also thinking about the fact that we're deep in the midst of a pandemic that mm -hmm. is still happening. We're also in the midst of the reignition or the reigniting of the civil rights movement. So I'm, I just feel honored to be in this time and to be able to talk about these things. So with everything that's happening right now, I think that there are lots of opportunities for businesses to rethink the way that they're doing business. And I think the first part, place to start is authenticity. So who are you authentically, right, as a business owner? And how is that aligned with the business that you're building? Um, I think often folks have thought that they need to be separate, right? Like I have these values, my business needs to have these values, but I think the more that we can be in alignment, the better that our business will be. Um, so I think that's first, and, and that's around making sure that our businesses are in, as inclusive as possible, uh, mm -hmm. making sure that our businesses really empower the people who are on our team, who help make up that inclusive team to feel like they are welcome and supported there. And then I think the second part about this, which is exciting, is this gives you permission to pivot. And for people who aren't familiar with what a pivot is, 
Think about this as an opportunity to revisit your customer. What does your customer need now? What are they going to need six months from now? And interview them, get to know them, learn about the problems and challenges that they're having and figure out where your solution now fits. I have talked to so many business owners at the beginning of the pandemic who are like, I have no idea what's going to happen next. And they have taken really the, the unique opportunities we have in this time with so much technology to change their business dramatically and find new ways to move forward. Now, I will say I recognize that there are lots of industries that are being really, really challenged right now. They're, they're being hurt so much. There's so many people who are out of jobs. And so I also think that entrepreneurship, which as, a, as an underrepresented founder, has always been a survival skill, right, mm -hmm. is now the way that we need to think about, like, how do we pivot this survival skill into our way of life? Mm -hmm. Right. And so you can do that as you pivot. I think the last thing I, I want to quote Charles Hudson, he's the managing partner at uh, Precursor Ventures. He's a brilliant investor and a thought leader. And one of the things that he says is this is now the opportunity to get to get very honest about your business. So what have you always known that was kind of true deep down about your business that you weren't really willing to test and explore? And so if you think like, you know what, I really think mm -hmm. this is the direction that we've needed to go. This is the time to test it. Because right. you can't wait. You need, to, you need to figure it out now. So I think those are the three opportunities for folks. Um, authenticity, a really exciting pivot, and then finally, like getting honest about what your business mm -hmm. really could do, really needs to do. Yeah, thank you. All good information. Kara, I don't know if you have anything to add on this topic, but... I just adore, I adore Paige and I love the fact that she brought up Juneteenth because I think a lot of companies are struggling to figure out like how do they do all of these things but what she talked about is opportunities and we, she and I were talking about this last or earlier this week, like it is this chance to work on and in your business and I think that sometimes the leadership gets so disconnected from the day-to-day because they're working on the business and like what has to happen, but they're doing it in a vacuum. And all of the intersections of pandemic and tech and equity have really like focused the narrative on like, okay, I, I have to lead, but I also have to understand what's going on in because all of these changes that we're being asked to do, like, mm -hmm. yeah, they're not just pivots for a, a virtual work from home. These are pivots that have to happen like at the deepest roots of your organization. And it is really hard sometimes to like look in at that and do it in a way that you're like, okay, but how do I still, how do I pay my employees? How do I, how do I pay my, my, my stakeholders and my shareholders and like myself. And so, um, Right. The, the opportunity to really like dig into that, I think is super exciting. And like I can say from our experience, just as an association, we've actually used tools to survey our members pretty regularly uh -huh. and not just about like, do you like what we're doing? Like we're asking different questions, like what do you want to see? And it's best going back to our customer base and saying uh -huh. where are we missing the mark. And it's been awesome and hard and yeah. awesome. Isn't that true? It's, it's so good. Like and this is true for all of us just on a personal level and in like the business world, whatever, um, to ask for, for honest feedback, because that's at the end of the day, if we're not willing to look at ourselves and what we're doing, um, honestly, then we're never going to get ahead. We're never going to grow. It's just, just how it works. And it's not fun at times and it can be painful. Yeah. And I also wanted to jump in and say that it's, 
And I love that Kara is talking about asking for that feedback. And I also love that Kara is excited to receive that feedback. And I think that needs to be the other side of it is mm -hmm. that organizations, let me just say that I am thrilled for the day when folks can walk into the office and be the fullest version of themselves so they can unlock all of the superpowers that they have in their workspace. <laughs> right. right. But when you walk in every day trying to be, trying to be a person who makes everyone else feel safe, because you're afraid to give feedback, you're afraid of the repercussions of those feedback, uh -huh. of that feedback. You can't be the fullest version of yourself. And right. the organization suffers as a result of that, right? And so yeah. that, that's, that's what excites me. It's like, what happens when we peel all this stuff back and we open the space for everyone to run without the restrictions of racism and sexism and bigotry? And right now we're talking about racism in our country because it is... Uh -huh been so deeply baked into what we've built here um, and, and simply doesn't uphold the integrity of, of what this country promises, right? So I'm excited about it because through these rough transitions, just like we're talking about in business pivots, we have opportunities yeah. to grow and become a better place for everyone. So, yeah. Yeah. Thank you. That's actually um, good advice. Well, of course, for everyone, but for me. So thank you for that. <laughs> but what would you say... Um, just real brief, are some of the most important things startups should know when it comes to accessing capital or thinking about accessing capital right now? What are the most important things that startups should think about? First and foremost, you have to start with the end in mind. So what are, you, what are your goals that you're trying to achieve in the business? And then look at your business and ask, do I have enough capital to achieve that goal, right? So this is a math and this is where you break out the spreadsheets. And I've talked to people who say, I'm not a math person. You are a math person. You can figure this out. Just get a Google sheet out or ask for help. The second thing is once you figure out how much capital you need, ask yourself, okay, so if I'm, if I am generating that much capital, great, I can put it to work now. But if you're not generating that much capital, where are you going to go next for it? And this is where you can assess all the different options that are available to you from going to find new customers to crowdfunding, to ICOs, to uh, angel investors, business loans, venture capitalists, whatever is best for you. And again, deciding which capital is the best for you really needs to come back to what do you want for your business? What outcomes do you want for your business? And who do you right. want involved in your business as a result of that? Um, the last thing that I would say is, Look at your network that you currently have, and this is where underrepresented founders have often struggled, again, because of systemic issues that have locked mm -hmm. them out of a lot of these networks. Mm -hmm. um, but what networks do you need to get connected to in order to get access to that capital? And that's actually one of the things I'm proudest about with our work at Founder Gym is that we're opening up this network to help people build out both peers and then investors and understand how to communicate with folks in these networks to get access to the capital that they need. Um, but yes, those are the biggest things that I would think about, those three. Great. Okay. Another quick question. Can I oh, actually, can I actually like say something for it to like, yeah, please do. because we sit in a world of an organization that does not have any black staff or okay. any black board members. And so it does not seem like a place that you would feel very welcome to have these conversations. And so part of what we started looking at even before this, um, heightened moment of racial equity in our country was how do we invite founders that are underrepresented into our space so that they can have access to these networks in a different way. 
Um, and we've been able to actually partner with a few organizations in Portland. And it's not work that we've been talking about or broadcasting. It's, it's not what we need to be doing right now. Mm-hmm. But the feedback has been like, this is awesome. Like you're giving us access to exited founders and to people who have got to the finish line. And so it's like twofold from a mentorship and advice standpoint, um, but also like an opportunity to access capital that you may not have had in the past. And Paige is obviously the expert on this, but like we hear what is going on in black and brown communities and for women founded organizations and like the funding models are broken. Like bank funding does not work for underrepresented founders. And so like these are conversations that we don't know if we're supposed to lead, but we at least would like to be surfacing. So I'll pause there. I know you had a question. Oh, so, okay, thank you for that. This one's more, I think for you, but of course, Paige, you might have some ideas as well. You likely do. What are some of the most important things that startup businesses should consider uh, regarding technology? Again. Well, I think it goes back to like what Paige said about, about capital. Like what is it that you're trying to achieve and then how do you incorporate that tech into it? One thing that we've seen that has been really interesting, and this does not just apply to a tech startup. This applies to like lots of businesses today. Mm-hmm. Um, in the tech world, we live really far down this journey of digital transformation that we talk about. And what, what the COVID chapter brought into stark reality is a lot of businesses are nowhere on that journey. And so the immediate challenge became, how do you implement technology that keeps your employees safe from a disease perspective? And now that narrative is being pushed even more, like how do you implement technology that is equitable and inclusive? And like, as a business, who are you trying to reach? And like, are you, are you thinking about who has that access and who, you know, you're, you're asking to be your customers and what does that look like? And so it really has to be like, what are your goals and how does tech align with that? And I think that what a lot of organizations maybe need to consider, and this is scary in a time where, um, I don't know if y'all have seen this, but since we've started working from home, as a country, cyber attacks are up like over 30%. And so then my suggestion of, you know, open source and free tools becomes slightly terrifying, but it all has to be incorporated into your roadmap of what you're trying to achieve. Um, mm-hmm. and the open source community can be fairly interesting because it, it is less exclusive because there is not the cost associated with it. And so um, there are really cool things that you can do um, for free that are really good work solutions. Um, mm-hmm. so I would say if I'm talking like super nerdy tech, like you mm-hmm. obviously need some kind, uh, you want to look at all your systems. You want to look at like how you're doing how you're doing your accounting, how are you doing HR, how are you doing your, your infrastructure to support any other tech for your employees? How do, do you have mm-hmm. um, some kind of tech that is like this, like this video conferencing? Mm-hmm. And what does that infrastructure look like? Do you need to be able to show video on that? Like, do you have the equipment and ability to do a podcast? Do you have the ability to, um, 
keep your employees safe. Like, what does your sign-ons look like? Are, like how, how are you doing your hour tracking? Like, there's all kinds of different tools and solutions. Um, and it's really like, what's your goal? Like, we're, we're all salaries, so we don't track hours. But if you have a startup where um, it's maybe food or beverage or retail, like, how do you do that in a historic timesheet world? There are solutions right. out there that you can actually get that, that are, are free, um, mm-hmm. but then do connect to your QuickBooks or whatever solution it is you're using for accounting. So I'm happy to draw out somebody's infrastructure. <laughs> yeah, I love it. <laughs> yeah. You can be a band geek and I'm going to be like a super tech nerd. I don't want to like it <laughs> together. I just want to jump in really quickly because I wanted to add a different perspective to this as well. And I'm thinking again about underrepresented founders. So I'm talking about black and brown folks. I'm talking about women. I'm talking about LGBTQIA folks. And one thing that you have to think about is that they have way less runway typically um, than their counterparts who are uh, white, male, cisgender, uh, mm-hmm. straight founders. So one thing I always loved is how we could use technology to scale our business in a really scrappy way. So what I'd say is if you are an entrepreneur who has a small business, lean into how technology can reduce some of the work that you have to do mm-hmm. so you can really lean into your strengths. And there's a great book called Essentialism that I highly recommend where he taught do you like it too, Kara? You like it, like it, like it? I love that book. It's so good. It down. It's so good. Let me just tell you, there are four things that they talk about in this book and every quarter you should be thinking about this. And I just talked to founders about this last night. Um, we have a brand new program and we were talking about it at office hours, which I love, but it is eliminate, delegate, automate, simplify. So you can use technology to do a lot of that, right? Obviously the automate, but also delegate and simplify. Mm-hmm. You can use technology to do that. So there are really amazing tools now like Zapier that allows you to connect software so it can talk to each other. You can use um, Airtable to manage a lot of your data. I mean, there are just so many really powerful ways for you to scale your performance as a human being and mm-hmm. allow your business to continue growing with less capital. Um, so you can get to a point where you can go get more capital. Um, but I just wanted to say for folks who are not familiar with technology, it's okay. You can figure it out. I love it. And, you know, with the whole COVID thing and, um, you know, there was a, there were a lot of businesses still are who, this is just an example, who um, pivoted to just take out, of course, because that's all we could do. And um, one thing I would love to see more businesses implement is the ability to prepay. I mean, there's a lot of businesses that did, that either already had it or or got it real fast. But um, I was surprised at the number that where you had to actually go in, you know, swipe your debit card, whatever. And um, if more businesses could just, if, you know, you're talking about um, systematizing things, if even just that, that, that takes, you know, that's two minutes that is maybe one or two minutes that's saved um, right there. And of course, you know, you're not spreading your germs around and you're not all of that. So that's just, just one small example. And, um, you know, if, if we could just implement, implement that more and more, um, I don't know. Anyway, just a thought. Yeah. Um, there's organizations that are focused on providing those services. And I don't, I think in Portland, there's one, I know in Bend there's one, but it's like, how do you quickly help these restaurants? Um, right. or salons who are trying to sell a gift card and right. they can't even do that because they don't have an online presence. And so like, 
that has become very, that's like, it's a great thing to point yeah. out. Um, mm-hmm. Cause you don't, you don't think about it when you can't do face-to-face business. And there's several organizations I can send, I can send you a list of follow-ups that are um, helping to do that for folks um, and making it happen pretty quickly. Yeah, that'd be great. And then if listeners are interested, they can reach out to me and I can get them that. That'd be great. Yeah. And I also wanted to say before I forgot as well, that I know Accelerate has been thinking a lot about this for women business owners and how to help them think through that pivot in Oregon. Right. And so again, this comes back to like, maybe we're just doing takeout moving forward and we're only accepting prepay or Mm pre-orders or we have a pizza place down the street that we have to order, like we're incentivized to order early and to order often, which we try not to do, but the pizza is so good. So (laughs) shout out to you for feeding my family every week for several weeks. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) I love your pizza. (laughs) Yeah. I love that. Yeah. Who doesn't? Okay. I'm going to take us in a little different direction. um, Cause this is a topic that I know is uh, near and dear to both of your hearts and that's women in business. So let's just, you know, we're, we're getting ready to kind of wind things down here, but let's talk about issues specific to women entrepreneurs. And perhaps you have some thoughts on just some of the frequent pitfalls that you see and, and also strengths that are, are common. So what are your thoughts, pitfalls and strengths? I will start with this one because I, um, I don't think that we have pitfalls. I think that as women, we are uniquely poised to lead through really challenging times because we are already um, multitasked at home and right. in our communities. Isn't um, that true? Yes. And, and so I, it's, it's interesting that you asked that question that way because last year as an organization, we put together um, a group of women tech executives and it was like, okay, what do we need to do to function better in this space of tech? And then when we started talking about this year, I was like, I don't actually like that. Like, why are we trying to change what women do? That's the same thing. I'm going to use the phrase page. I hope it's okay. It's like, it's like the code switching. If you're a person of color, like, why are we asking you to change your behavior? Like, you have these great strengths. And so we started focusing this year on like, what, what is it that women bring to the workplace Mm -hmm. that make them exceptionally good at this? And we started with their emotional intelligence. It is high. And in a time like this, where conversations are hard, like that is like the number one thing that I think we bring to the table as a strength. And, um, I think we're going to come really strong out of it. So yeah, I I would, I would say that, that, it's not the women that have the pitfalls it's, or, or, or diverse founder. It's the systems that, right, you're right. Are, that are pockmarked with these, um, these holes of a maybe? better word yeah. that um, have not been set up for women to be as successful. I mean, like the reality is like Paige is an amazing example of somebody that is making everything work with a small child. Business is not set up for her to do that. Um, and right. so, you know, it's, it's, I've heard, I think one of my favorite stories that I heard was a woman that came up with this idea and she pitched it like 90 times, which most people have to do. And it was always to men. And 
finally, one of these guys was like, I, I feel like there's something here, but I don't understand it. And this is like such, this is such a crazy sexist story. He was like, can I go get my administrative assistant? Because I think if she thinks it's a problem, then maybe there's something here. And that was literally how this woman got funding. They had to get another woman in the room. So the pitfall is that like 93% of investors are men. 93% of investors are white, cisgender, straight men. And so you're coming at um, a challenge that technology or or a founder is trying to solve that the person you're asking money for doesn't understand because it doesn't factor into their narrative. And so um, I I think that when we talk about what women do so well, it's being able to communicate and articulate their idea and vision. And in general, I think women do a really wonderful job of understanding the end goal um, and being able to do multiple things at once. I think women are amazing leaders when it comes to their emotional intelligence. And um, what's challenging is to just navigate a world where yet we do not have that many women in the positions of power from a power dynamic standpoint Mm -hmm. to just help make it easier. And I'm fortunate and blessed by some wonderful male mentors and advocates. Um, And what I hope to see is that as women move into more of these leadership roles, they continue to bring more women Mm -hmm. with them. Um, And yeah, and remember how hard it was to be the only person that looked like them. So then Mm -hmm. extend the grace to people that are, you know, different colored, different sexual orientation, different gender identifications um, across the board. But that would be, I'm not going to talk about things that I think women can do better. I think Mm -hmm. we do, we do great things. So Paige, you may have a different perspective, but I'm going to call the pitfalls in the industry. (laughs) There you go. It is so much of it is on expectations of just society and you know because we have these specific expectations and you know so much of it's just not fair from the get-go or it's just not the right perspective to begin with and so it sets people up to kind of let those ideas down when really it's the idea or the thought to begin with that's the problem yeah and I I think what you just said Marnie and, and what Kara's been saying and Carrie wanted yes and you Kara. Let me add yes and you. So it's it is the system, right? It's the frameworks, it's the norms, it's the expectations that we've set. And I, I remember I was in a meeting and someone was saying, gosh, it feels like we're almost intentionally being left out. And I was like, we absolutely are intentionally being left out. <laughs> and even if the people who currently are in the system can't see that they're intentionally perpetuating these frameworks. Yeah. It's still it's still an intention that was set initially that was codified and now we're just all part of the system and we can't really see well, I mean we can see right those of us who who've had to deal with this BS frankly can see it and it's infuriating and so I think that's why we we see the movements that we see right now is people are are like enough is enough right. I, I want to be the fullest version of myself back to your question about specific intro, you know issues for women entrepreneurs I think what's so startling to me when I was part of the uh, the beginnings of the Accelerate Fund was that women launched 1,300 businesses per day and they receive a fraction of the capital and training that they need to succeed. And guess what? It's the same thing for underrepresented founders. Mm-hmm. And that's because these systems, again, were intentionally set up this way. So I think that what, is, what we're realizing right now is that the system that we're all in benefits no one. 
It benefits no one, not even the people in power. And the only way we change that is by changing who's in power. And we need to have more diversification in boardrooms, on, uh, you know, in our offices, right? In elected office. Like it's going mm -hmm. to require change at all these levels so yeah. that we see models around us all the time of all the different ways that a leader can be reflected. So when we think about giving a leader capital, right? Uh, when we think about giving a leader opportunities or a microphone, we are doing it because we know it's possible. And I think right now we're discovering that the system doesn't actually believe in women, doesn't believe in people of color, doesn't believe in LGBTQ people. And that's why it criminalizes them and doesn't give them the opportunities they need to be successful. So I just wanted to say, yes, I think that's, I think that's what we are all awoken to or we've awoken to recently. Good thoughts. All no. that. Yes. Yeah. Now, yes, that. High fives. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And you know, it's like, it always, it, uh, I find it astounding still in this day and age um, where so many women who maybe are more, are further along in their um, careers don't take the time to mentor those maybe who are a step or five steps or however many steps behind them. It's like we need to support each other and we need to um, to really encourage, like you were saying before, um, bringing our most authentic selves and just who we are, because we're all different and we all have something to add. And we need that encouragement because it, it's not just automatically present. It's not automatically there. So just my little two cents there. Women, look out for women. Actually, everybody look out, but you yeah, know, everyone look out, listen. Yeah, exactly. And I think, you know, actually, Marnie, I've been reflecting on this a lot. And I think about, I've had several conversations with good friends about my parents' generation and the folks that I see who mm -hmm. are just older than me in leadership. And I feel awful that they had to go through this period of time where they constantly were separating themselves. I think that there's a lot of trauma that happens when we have to peel out pieces of ourselves to fit mm -hmm. into a box. And I'm grateful for the work that they've put in ahead of me to get to this place now. And I'm excited to um, see them also become a fuller version of themselves. Like hopefully this gives them permission too right now. Yeah, love it. Well, it's been so great chatting with you both. I had a whole list of questions and things I wanted to talk about, but I feel like what we did discuss was just such good um, content and, you know, I think Marnie, a lot of you people. Marnie, you gotta have us back. You gotta know, have us back. I love Marnie, that. You can do too. <laughs> Marnie, yes. you brought people to the table that showed up as their authentic selves. So that doesn't always mean we stick within the questions. That's right. We just <laughs> went with it, which was <laughs> great. Are you and both it was the best, welcome? Marnie. You're so oh, great. Thank, thank you. you. And you both are a delight as well, and so informative. And I'm confident that listeners are going to enjoy and benefit from all that was shared today. So thank you. Wasn't that great? Thank you for joining CREDC for our final podcast in the Grow Clark County podcast edition. I hope you've been able to listen to our entire series this month. If you haven't, you'll definitely want to. It's been really inspiring and informative to hear from our guests and to receive their mentorship through this channel. We've all had to make adjustments that six months ago we had no idea we would need to but here we are. So thank you again, and I look forward to bringing you more information down the road. In the meantime, 
Please be well and be strong. And remember to continue striving for innovation.